If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with a very special friend of mine that also transforms hundreds of thousands to millions of lives around the world. He is a best-selling author, international speaker. He's graced the stages with the likes of Tony Robbins, Sir Richard Branson, uh, Tim Ferriss, Dr. John Demartini, all these incredible guests that we've had on this podcast too. And the thing that I really love about Jeff is he is very unconventional in his philosophies and the way that he pro- approaches life money mindset, business. He has this edge to him, this cutting edge when it comes to wisdom as an entrepreneur. He leads many uh, other coaches and other leaders in this world and really challenges them to transform from the inside out. So if you're listening right now and you're wondering, how do I do this? How do I transform from the inside out to better my business, to have more impact, to make more money? then tune in right now, cut all distractions off, grab your pad and your pen, and welcome here to the podcast stage, Jeffrey Slater. (laughs) Thanks, Joel. Thanks so much, man. It's good to see you again. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. I remember when we were in the Gold Coast uh, a few few months back and we're rocking stages. I remember when we looked out at the audience, there were like a one and a half to two meter gap between all the seats because of this whole COVID thing going down. And you're standing there, you're like, there's a war on reality right now. And I was like, amen, amen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I just love the way you shifted the room with, with talking about money and business. So I'm excited for you to dive into that today. Yeah, absolutely. People, and you know, I want to deliver some stuff they can take away. So if people are listening, they can grab some notes and ask themselves some questions to support them in making more money, especially these times. Yes, yes. Let's make this an actionable episode. I love that. Pad and pen, no distractions, jump in. Let's do this. Let's take note. And more importantly, let's apply, right? Yeah. So Jeff, just real quick, what fascinates you most in life right now? I'm becoming more fascinated with, 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 uh, media, with literally like the, I guess I could say the mundane, the simple things. I used to not be, I used to be, to be fascinated. I used to have to be on stage with 5,000 people. Now I'm fascinated when, when I walk my dog in a garden, <laughs> you know, it's, it's changing. <laughs> so I'm more fascinated than I'm fascinated at little things now, but I will say I'm also fascinated with, with, with the opportunity we have as human beings at this juncture, at this inflection point right now to actually change our lives and have an incredible future for all of us in the next generation. That's what fascinates me right now. I feel that, man. I feel like 
the first half of my entrepreneurial journey was how many complicated things can I grab and, and learn and stack upon each other? And then the second half so far in my life of my journey is, wait a minute, I think I did that wrong. And it's like the unlearning, untangling, how do I simplify? How do I become more minimalistic, but also powerful in my approach? So to that note, yeah, to that note, uh, for anyone that's listening right now, because we do have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs or established entrepreneurs that are tuning into the Addicted to Success podcast, uh, how do we play this business and making money game smarter? What are some strategies, maybe some things you've implemented? Because I know that you've, you've been around a lot of wealth, uh, but at the same time, you've also, I love the way that like you've been around it, but at the same time, you wouldn't know it because you have this humble centered approach about yourself where you know, you're not braggadocious, you have this great confidence. And you just like, I can see you just love to create and take risks and invest and teach. So like, what can we learn from you being in these multiple paradigms? And how do we apply more of the strategies that you've implemented that have worked well for you? So you can work smart and not just always hard all the time. Sure. And everyone has their own perspective. So I'm, I'm going to share some things they can take if they like from my opinion. And if, any, if there's anything that I've learned is to unlearn a lot of the programming. So uh, people often think that money's that money is kind of this thing that that has a certain energy at, about it, you know, but actually it's a neutral thing. And it's up to us to project what we'd like from money itself. Money's a tool, you know, like oftentimes people, people write this down. Money is unit, money equals units of choice. So the money we have, the more choices we have. Very simple, right? So if money is units of choice, I, I'd like right now that as many human beings as possible to have as, long as, as many choices as possible. The choices to spend time with their family, the choices to travel when they want, how they want. And I know there's restrictions right now, but still, that's, we still have choice. Money also can be protective of our families when things happen. It's so important to us to be autonomous in our wealth. Oftentimes, I, I, like the other day, there's people having to do certain things for medical restriction because they have a job. And if they don't do these certain things, they then have to lose their job. But if you had your own ability to create money, then you don't have to do those things anymore because you're no longer at the you're no no longer required to do those certain things. So money's choice. Dude, I love that. I love how you just simplified that. Money is choice. Yeah, I, I often say a lot of people look at money as just a tool for certainty. And to a degree, yes, it's great. We can use it for security and other things around us. And I think like the dark side of that is that if we have a little bit or not within the parameter of what we'd like it to be, we start freaking out. And then you come from lack and desperation to create more money, right? Instead of looking at money also as a tool for creation that we get to make it that and amplify yep. off that instead of just going, I need it for certainty. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are playing the game backwards instead of utilizing it in, in a powerful way. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because money is also an amplifier. So money, money equals units of choice. Money is also an amplifier. So for example, if you give people that want to shut the whole world down and you know stop everything and they have a lot of money, they're going to do that. They have the tools to do that. So money is an amplifier. If, if people are obsessed with control, then you give them a lot of money, they just want more control. If people want to do great things in the world and, and respect, then you give them money, they'll do, they'll do great things. If, they, if people want peace, if people would, their attention is peace, they'll bring, you amplify them with money, they'll get, bring more peace to the world. So it's just an amplifier. And oftentimes people, people that want to do the greatest things in the world, they're, they're, they make money wrong 
when actually we need as many people as possible to have good intentions to have as much money as possible. Yes, yes, yes. Amen to that. Jeff, you've graced stages where people like Tony Robbins and, you know, Demartini and, and a lot of incredible people, Frank Kern as well. He's a great, uh, great marketer. Mm -hmm. What were you asked to speak about and what did you teach? What was the main core thing that you believe the audience, if they could just take away one thing from what you were teaching back then, what would it be? Yeah. I mean, at the time I was teaching what's called packaging and positioning. Uh, so basically you can take what you love, whatever that is, and, um, and build a business around it and go out into the world and make money doing that. For example, most people, I was, I was on a flight. I was actually flying from here to New Zealand a while ago. And, I've, and I came from a very entrepreneurial family. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. And I've learned a lot from my father about business. And I was on a plane with him. And I said, I said Dad, um, you know, we're having a conversation. It was, it was filmed, actually. And um, I said, Dad, I've learned so much from you. What did you learn from me? He said, son, when I first started my, my company, I first started with simply still wanting to start a business. And then, and then I, and then I, then secondary around the box, I tried to jam my life into my business. So when, if there was a box, there was a box here and then there was a business as a priority and then jam, jam the lifestyle into the business. And he said, what I learned from you, son, is start with the lifestyle that you want, how you want to live, where you want to spend your time, who you want to spend your time with. Um, how much money you want to make and where do you want to travel and all that. Start with the lifestyle first and build a business to support your lifestyle. So some questions you can ask yourself is where do you want to, is, is who do you want to spend your time with? It, uh, who do you want to serve? Wh how do you, where do you want to travel? Where do you want to live? What adventures do you want to go on? Uh, you know, what do you want to bring to the world? And, and, and how do you most enjoy yourself and build a business to support that? So that's essentially what I, what I was sharing all over the world was, it is so possible to make a lot of money doing what you love. Let that land. <laughs> Let that airplane land right into your soul. <laughs> yeah, it's so important. But you know what? It's, it's easy to be skeptical about what I'm sharing. But a true skeptic isn't actually skeptic, isn't truly a skeptic unless they can be skeptical about their own skepticism for just a moment. And maybe ask yourself the question again, what is it you really want in your life? And if, if, if you had no fear, nothing to lose, no shame or guilt about having it, what, would, what is it you like? And, and even more important is, is maybe it's time with these challenging times, instead of, instead of actually looking at how to avoid the, avoid the situation, maybe it's how to get stronger in the situation. Stronger in your resolve about who you are, the money you want to make and the impact you want to make. So, stronger in your sovereignty. Yes, yes. Jeff, biggest mistake you've made with money that we can learn from? I used to think money was about going after opportunities, but actually money is about, man uh, to, to, it's about managing your losses. Wow. So, what do you mean by so that? manage your losses. Uh, you know, in, in America, they have this thing called baseball. And if you try and go for home runs all the time, they um, then ultimately it doesn't work with, with, with wealth. You got to go for base hits. So base hit after base hit after base hit. And ultimately that's what's that, that that's what works. So manage your losses. Love that base hit after base hit after base hit. And, and then it's uh, multiplying upon it, right? Like mm -hmm. 
pacing yourself. This is a big thing for me. And I know a lot of people that are listening right now through this channel on Addicted to Success. It's a theme that keeps showing up because I see a lot of people that come into our community that have listened to the podcast, consumed the content online, even the word addicted to success. I know what that means. It's like relentless pursuit for your dreams, never giving up, you know, and all that too. And, and there can be the other side of the coin where that can be exhausting and detrimental long-term. So uh, it's, ma- it's managing your everyday moves. And I do love that you shared that because this is something that I had to learn was that us in the last year, I've slowed it down, really slowed it down. And I've got this presence with what's happening. And I think from mm-hmm. that place, like you said at the start, it's about making better decisions. When we had Tony Robbins on, we are talking with him about like living a better quality life. And he said, to live a better quality life, you must make better quality decisions. But how do you do that? You don't know until you've made decisions that aren't conducive to your growth to then know that it wasn't right. So you can course correct to make better decisions. And as you get older, the, the goal is to con- to make more consistent, better decisions. Not that you, they're always going to be perfect. So I love mm-hmm. you said that. And what about like a really great decision that you've made when it comes to money? What, what has been a great, great investment opportunity or something that you've done with your money where you're like, yeah, that was good that we can learn from? Yeah, I mean, the best, I was traveling to India with Martini. actually, we were speaking all over India and Dr. Martini, doctor, and, uh, and I was being interviewed by an Indian investment, uh, an Indian investment uh, paper, can't remember the name, but what they said to me was, what's the best investment right now? And I, I was racking my brain, you know, what is it, you know, cryptocurrencies at the time didn't exist, um, but, but I said, and, and, and what I said was in yourself, like, like no one can take it away. But it's so kind of cliche. It's like investing yourself. You've heard that a million times, right? But investing yourself to hear contrarian approaches to wealth, contrarian approaches to thinking, contrarian approaches to what's possible. You know, Einstein says logic will get you from A to Z. Imagination will get you everywhere else. So it really has been the best investment is into yourself. Um, and then, and just to think differently, because there's so many things out there, like, Everyone thought it was crazy when when some of the cryptocurrencies were coming out and all those things. I'm not saying cryptocurrencies. I'm saying it's interesting that people thought it was crazy at the time, and and then and now you know they're they're going they're going nuts, right? Um, and obviously there's lots of things not to do in there, but there's a transfer of wealth going on right now. Pay attention to it. Yeah, I feel that Demartini is a funny dude too. <laughs> He is he's a great guy. Yeah. If you hang out with him long enough, he cracks these like little sideways jokes and he's like sarcastic at times. I'm, I'm like, did he just say what I thought he said? <laughs> he kind of drops it and then runs without yeah, running, exactly. you know? <laughs> One of the smartest men I know. Oh, well, this is the thing, right? He's studied, I think, 40 different disciplines. All the ologies, the biology, the physiology, the sociology, the astrology. And I asked him out of all the ologies that you've studied, what is the most important one? And he said, Joel, the most important ology, the, the book was the thinnest book. And it was this thin and, it, you know, like his fingertips were so close together. And he said it was a book in the study of axiology, which is a study in a hierarchy of values. And obviously, oh. you know, like you, you very much live in your values. Yeah. What, what is your your take on this? Do you think that like if we just live in our values, we should be good? That's where our power is. Or what have you learned to to kind of come in from a holistic point of view? What are some other things we can integrate within ourselves to to be able to do better in life, be more prosperous in life? Uh, there, the David Goggins talks about the mirror of accountability. He wrote the book "Can't Hurt Me," 
And, uh, you know, the mirror of accountability, he's talking about how he has to face the mirror and actually become to come be honest with himself about that. At the time he's talking about, he was, that he was facing the mirror that he was overweight. And, uh, and when he actually, so if we look in the mirror in ourselves, like, what is it, what is it that we're hiding from? If you would like to, the, if you want to measure the strength of somebody's soul, look at, don't look at how positive they are. Look at the ability of darkness they can actually see and experience and we're willingness to look at the entire perspective. So strength of a soul is measured by the willingness to look at the light and the dark. And if we can only look at the, if we can only look at this much darkness, we only are going to look at this much light. But if we are willing to, to face our own shadows and look at the amount of darkness that's not only in this world, but in, within ourselves, we then equally are able to see the amount of light. And then we become more integrated within ourselves. And so if there's anything to be able to, to hold more wealth, it's actually to be able to be a vessel for more awareness and more, more integration of the both the light and the dark within ourselves. And then we become a vessel and a steward of money because we can't be here forever, right? So, um, I mean, in these bodies, but we can become a steward. And so, so the universe is always testing us. Are you a good steward? So, for example, specific grounded in this thing is, do you manage your books? Like, does the people, the people listening, do you have a bookkeeper or do you report your money? You know, it's a little bit like, like if you, like dating, if you don't pay attention to her, she'll probably leave or she's a psycho. But my point is this, is like, if you don't pay attention, like it will leave you. Money's the same way. It's like, if you don't track it, manage it, oversee it and pay it and steward it, it will probably go somewhere else where it's better stewarded. So the universe is literally always like, where am I best taken care of here? And money will channel the words best taken care of and most appreciated and most grateful for as well. Yes, man, that landed so well in me. And, and I can say that even since the last time you, you showed up on our masterclass uh, call with, our, with the Addicted to Success tribe, you mentioned that we've got to get really clear on how much money is coming in and out. And I know it sounds simple for some people and maybe you're doing it, maybe you're not. Uh, but that in itself, it kicked me in the ass. Like it really did. I was like, hey, like I haven't done that a lot lately. So I actually sat down with it and looked at it and I was like, mm, I could be playing this game a little bit better. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I do know in my experience that uh, creation can sometimes come in a delay as well. You know, like you start to lay the, some new bricks and you, you can't quite see the house or the foundations now. And if you stay away from something for too long, uh, by the time you really need to start creating, you're in a place of desperation and there's like this kind of running time that needs to come into play for it to be presented, uh, maybe a sales to come in, leads to come in, whatever it may be. And by that point, you don't want to be Mr. or Mrs. Desperado <laughs> in the process. No, it's, so it's good to keep things maintaining and staying in that momentum, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's one thing is we are more creative when we're not trying to survive. So, so, so because we can create more, we're, we're not in survival instinct. So get your bases done. So knowing your, this is very simple, but knowing your, your burn rate, but they call it burn rate. So if let's say the burn rate is somebody's 10,000, 15,000 a month, whatever it is to live or more or less, I don't know, but knowing what that bare minimum is. Right. And then from there, uh, if you know that that's covered, then you can, then you have more above that. But if you always find a way to make, instead of trying to get rich all of a sudden, Focus on trying to buy your time back first. So spend less time creating your bone rate. Yeah. Yep. That's it. And, and riding the wave, right? I remember like love him or hate him. 
I feel like more people hated him after he came into presidency in the office. But I remember uh, being at an event with Donald Trump. This was in Sydney like quite a while back. And he shared some really great advice about entrepreneurship at the time, right? Politics out of his entrepreneurship. And and someone asked him like, how did you really get to the, the billions in success? And he said, to be honest, he said, I just, I really rode that wave of momentum. And he said, and I knew when I was on it, and I knew how powerful it was. I, I just did not stop in that momentum. And I feel like when we uh, make our life complex, right? When we're not working on the wounds, our wounds want attention at times too. And it will do what it needs to do to come up. And usually it's when you don't want it to happen the most. And, and one day it slaps you so hard in the face. You're like, damn, I've hit an upper limit now because the thing that I've been suppressing is crying and screaming out so loud it's time to break this. Have you feel yeah. that, have you ever been through an experience like that where you suppressed so much and then it just came out like like a chaotic demon in your life and you're like all right I get to face this now. Yeah, it was um I lost a significant amount of money when I was 27 and uh and it and I was remember laying on the floor and I just I just wanted to end it all. I was like this is just sucks like <laughs> what's the point of this is this whole thing and then i went and um and i was like so balled up frustrated angry upset because i had worked so hard and there was a huge loss and i bought one of those like flip charts you know like a flip flip chart and uh and i wrote down everything that i was like forget this i'm just gonna go write down everything i love right and i wrote down all these things i love like a business strategy speaking transformation coaching everything you know, surfing, everything I loved. And I wrote circles around it. And I'm like, I got to find a way to make money doing what's on here. Like, so I can finally really do this. I got to do this. I got to do something I love. It's really important. And then what happened was I went to sleep next day. I got a phone call from a friend of mine and he said, you got to come to the seminar. And I was so miserable. I didn't want to go to any seminars. I didn't want to go to any trainings, any education because I had, like I'd done so many and I was like, I'm not doing another one of these things. But then he called me and he goes, and I was sitting in the back of the room and I was judging him and evaluating him because he was training and doing transformation work. And I had done a lot of transformation work. Right. And I was like, well, he could be doing it differently. He could be saying it differently. And he called me up in front of the room and he goes, Hey, can you talk about this? Cause I know you've trained in this modality. And I did. And I impacted a couple people. A couple people fell asleep because I was new to it. Quite boring at the time. And then, but he goes, Hey, Come back next month. I'll cut. You'll be the transformation guy, and I'll cut you in on half. And it was the best thing ever to start making money doing something I just really loved. Change the world, dude! Wow, what I love this. I love hearing those like little turning points in your life where you finally are stepping into your alignment and going, "Wait, what I thought was really important before isn't actually what I desire for my vision." And I know that you work with. Uh, and over the years, you have worked with a lot of leaders that are visionary minded people, but at some point they hit, like we said before, the upper limit, right? Mm-hmm. What do you believe it is that holds leaders back from reaching and breaking through that next level? Because there are entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now that, you know, maybe their, first, their goal 10 years ago or five years ago was making six figures, or maybe it's multiple six figures, but they're finding it really hard to hit the million dollar bracket or multiple millions or maybe someone's launched a business and done going like, cool, I've covered my expenses, but now I want to scale this thing and they just keep getting stopped and blocked. What is this? I'll call it um, switching tables. So 
So for myself, a what you know, oftentimes if you look at the people a while ago, you surround yourself with it. Let's say your table, the table of the five or six people you spend time with. Take a look at their average kind of income and what their priorities are. And now you might be you listening or whoever might be the top earner at that table, or maybe you're the most fit, or maybe you're the most you know positive or whatever. But the thing is, you're at, you're at, you're at a table where Maybe, maybe the, the, the food that's being served is mediocrity. Maybe it's a mediocre table and everyone's eating mediocrity. And, and you feel really good. And I've done this too at those tables. You feel really good. I feel really comfortable at this table because you feel safe. You feel like you're the, you're the one in charge. You're doing great. But if you kind of, if you kind of step out of that side, that, outside that room and you go into a table and you go into a, a table where they have those kind of doors that are private doors and you open one of those up and you go into one of those restaurants where it's, it's an exclusive thing outside the re- that's part of the restaurant, but not in the restaurant. And you open up one of those tables and the table is really round and, and everyone on the table is, you know, running like they're, they're, they're doing what they're here to do. They're, they're like, maybe it's tables with like people, you, you know, you're at the dinner table with people like Tony Robbins or Sir Richard Branson. I remember when we had dinner with Sir Richard Branson and, and we were with Tim Ferriss, like this was a while ago, but that was the table. It was a different table. The conversation was very different. And at the table, when you're at the table with Richard Branson, you're at the table with Tim Ferriss, like it's going to challenge you. And you're not so, you, you know, there's, it's not a table of mediocrity. They're not serving mediocrity. They're serving greatness. And then, and if you're not seeing yourself as great, then you got to face the mirror of accountability and go, because you go back to the bathroom, you go, should I belong at this table? And the answer is you should, but some parts of those, some parts of yourself, maybe you want to leave behind. Like the ones that say you can't do it and nothing's possible. Cause that, cause that doesn't belong on that table. So maybe it's time to switch tables and surround yourself with people that are completely different. And if you can't surround yourself physically with these people, you know, people like you, like you do an incredible podcast with people like Tony Robbins and Dr. D Martini and Tim Ferriss, like that's your new table and you can do it virtually now. It's nuts. It's nuts, man. Like we have so much at our fingertips. There's no excuse. There really yeah, is no excuse. You can have anyone at your table now. Anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I love this, dude. I really love this because just in you saying that, and I hope that people wrote this down and picked this up because that triggered in me this, this idea of even pushing myself to, to get around people that are playing at a higher level. And, you know, I have conversations here and there, but, but even just maybe like going, hey, I'm going to break a percentage off of my income over the next three months, put that into getting some even higher level mentorship, maybe a multiple, you know, mastermind program where you have five to 10 people that are really crushing as well. They might even be a bracket higher than you, if that's possible. Yeah. To, to really just get in and have conversations because it's not even about like going and learning from them. Like, oh, what have they got there to teach me? But it's noticing and being very present in these moments, noticing within yourself, where am I starting to feel a little bit of this not good enough and this lack? Because that's a signal to you of where you get to step in even more and learn how to play in that space at a higher level. And usually our greatest lessons aren't in the obvious because a lot of it's coming from the, the subconscious, right? Right. Tell us a little I, bit know, about that, man, because you've done a lot of work around the unconscious mind, the subconscious mind as well when it comes to making money and, and growing as a human being. Yeah, our biggest fear is oftentimes losing everything, we, uh, is not losing everything we got, it's getting everything we want. So I know for myself that 
that like moving to another table is terrifying because you might actually belong at that table. And that's scary because then, because then any part of us that trying to maintain an identity coherence, maintaining identity coherence is the most important thing for a human being. And if we have any part of us that says we're not enough, not good enough, you can't do it, it. We can't, that doesn't belong at that table. So essentially now you're left with the greatest parts of yourself and that's terrifying. But to admit that we're scared of our greatness, we're scared of what's possible, we're scared of, of actually admitting that maybe we, we could sit at that table. That's scary. And I know for myself, I remember when, when, uh, when I was at that dinner table with the, at, the, at that time, like, of course I did. There were times I was like, I'm sure I really belong here, but hey, this is crazy. This is wild. And you know what? Um, we, I'm grateful for that experience. And those, those, those kind of those to question myself and to dive inward and to reflect because it isn't until you're on, it isn't until you feel those moments of uncomfort that you don't, we don't grow. So I've done my best in my life to seek out, to seek out what they call butterfly moments. Like it's terrifying standing in front of 5,000 people. It's terrifying standing in front of going on stage after Tony Robbins. Scary, you know, but, but it's a butterfly moment. It's terrifying. But if we seek out those butterflies moments in our life, our life gets better. Dude, I love this. I, I can I can resonate with that so much. I filmed on set of We Rise Up right after Tony. <laughs> and I was having a conversation with Lisa Nichols. And Lisa Nichols is a powerhouse speaker, right? And she said to me, yes, like, yeah. she could tell I was a little bit nervous. And she goes, you know, how are you feeling, Joel? And I said, I just, I'm coming after Tony. She goes, but Joel, there is no Joel Brown like you. She's like, that's Tony Robbins. She said, Michael Bernard Beckwith can't be Joel Brown. Lisa Nichols can't be Joel Brown. Dean Graziotti can't be Joel Brown. You're Joel Brown. And, you know, the lesson in that is everyone listening to this is like, hey, you get to carve your own path in your own unique way. You don't have to bring what they bring to the table. But if you can understand, like, what are the mechanisms and what are the... uh, what, what's the energy and frequency of someone that's playing in greatness? If you could even just like start to work out how you can dance in that rhythm too, in your own unique way, that's what the world needs more than anything. Yeah. We all have a song inside of us that's unique to each one of us. Right. And if yeah. we get our job is to bring that song out because no one else can do it for us. Absolutely, man. How much do you think uh, our childhood, our, how we relate to our parents plays out in this whole thing around chasing success you know uh if if you want to hear some actionable things and this comes from the work of bert hellinger and some holographics nlp work is um if you want to know if you want to improve your ability to make money improve your relationship with your father because generally the success line goes from the father it doesn't mean you have to hang out with your father there's a lot of not so good fathers out there right but it means healing your relationship with your father. Like even if it's just yourself, I'm very grateful because I have an incredible relationship with my father and I'm so grateful for him. But some people I know having worked with over a million people, like the dad might've been an alcoholic. They might've been abusive, but if they can find the, themselves instead of trying to, the more they try and if you want to know where someone loves the most, look where they have the most guilt and shame and anger. But if they can resolve that anger with themselves towards their father's, it'll help them make more money for sure. So if you need a reason, you want to make more money, heal your relationship with your father. 
Wow. Is it because it's like a masculine based thing, the energy around masculine or what is it? Gen generally, it's, a, it's, it's, it's things that are passed down generation to generation. And then the money line goes generally down from Bert Hellinger family systems work from the, from the father's line. And, but we carry these, we carry these, these unconscious beliefs. They're called, they call them as suffering obligations of love. So if you want to know, if you want to, to look at your relationship with money, Go look at your father's relationship with money. Was there enough of it? Was there never enough? Did, did, did they lose it a lot? And generally you'll find a holographic impression of something similar and then and to, to identify that. And so ask yourself, ask yourself, am I playing those out? Um, and the reason we play those out and is, is because generally we as human beings love so much. And so at the age of four years old, there's like a little four-year-old version of us and we're sitting at the dinner table. And what do, what, do, what do kids most want for their moms and dads, right? They most want their moms and dads to be happy. And so they might look, there we are at four years old. And you look over at dad and dad is struggling financially. Doesn't feel like he's a good enough father. And he's trying to put on a pretty face and all that to make it all suited. But, but deep down, he's afraid, of finance, he's afraid there's not enough money for the food. He's afraid that he's not a good enough dad. He's not around enough or whatever, right? the little child picks that stuff up unconsciously and almost energetically at the age of four is when we start to assert ourselves and the age of four stands up energetically at the dinner table and goes and makes an agreement with the unconscious between the kids unconscious and dad. And dad says something like this, daddy, daddy, I'll take on your suffering from now until eternity or whichever comes first. And then, then the little kid wants to save daddy. So the daddy, the little kid will generally unconscious, it's all unconscious. Yeah. Try and daddy, I'll save you from your money problems. I'll take on your money problems in, a, in what's called an unworkable effort to say, I love you to your dad, to their dad. And if hoping un unconsciously, the unconscious, that if they just get rid of and have enough suffering with money, it'll relieve dad of their suffering. And then they, then they play it out in their lives. But if they just, if they just resolve that and they stop playing that out and they, they literally let their parents be the parents and stop parenting our parents. So the more you try and parent your parents, the more you'll take on their crap. Ooh. The more you try and give advice to your dad about you shouldn't do this around money, you're this or, or make that or, or even resent them or be angry at them for that. Instead of actually seeing what's called the intended positive outcome. What is the intended positive outcome of them doing that? and have respect and appreciation for what they did and how they lived. And even if it was a mess, there was an intended positive outcome. All behaviors are justified. Um, all behaviors in the right context, right? Given the reality. And if we can resolve those, we then free ourselves from their suffering, from, from trying to take that on. And we let our parents be our parents. We live our lives for us. And then, they can, and then we can start to design our own money beliefs instead of the ones we took on. So instead of just adopting the programming, because most of the, the things that are upset that are challenging for us as human beings is actually that we're we've never really might have many of us have not had an original thought. Most of the thoughts are actually just programming passed down from generation to generation. But when we can release ourselves from that program and we can design our own and we can ask ourselves, what do we want with money? What do we want our relationship with money to be like? Why do we even want money? And we can design it from there. Oh my gosh, man, this this uh, line that we have between us and zoom is just on fire right now. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love Good. it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so funny because I was thinking to myself, you know, I saw my dad when I was growing up, I was 
creating multiple businesses. I, I think I've created about seven different businesses and five of them I'd say were uh, big lessons, which is great because I've been able to translate what I learned from that and bring it into even what I do today with Addicted to Success in coaching and speaking as well. But I do remember feeling this, like it was kind of like a slide in respect for my father whenever I'd see him launch a couple of businesses and, and just kind of give up after a few months. And I remember feeling this feeling is I'm never going to give up like that. Mm. And, and it's crazy you're saying this because I'm just recognizing it now. And even taxes, like I used to remember hearing my mom get angry at my dad because he wasn't filing taxes on time. And I could see how exhausted and worn my dad was around taxes. And I, I took that on, like taxes, a bad thing, you know? Mm. So yeah, it's crazy how we take some. Okay, so you said like healing the relationship with the father um, improve, has a possibility to improve the money mindset. Yeah, you'll make more healing money. relationship with mother, what's, what's the line there? Like what, do we, what would you typically see an improvement on with more, that? More about self-love. Like actually okay. like-, like, like um, I'm good enough kind of- yeah, yeah, that that will heal. That will support that. That will support that. And since really, with with the father though, if you want to look at the look at, like I had a client of mine that was, um, their dad never made more than about three hundred grand a year. Okay, and that was like, and they were that successful like to some people, right? But what happened was they were making about three hundred grand a year, and that then that particular person. Um, his son started to make more than that. And what happened was right when the son started to hit about 275, then the son started backing off on the effort. They just didn't have as much momentum because they didn't want to go past the father line. Because what happens is like, like Bert Hellinger says, a German psychotherapist in a family of thieves, the one who doesn't steal feels guilty in a family of 300,000 a year or 100,000 a year, the one who starts to go above that can't help but not belong. Oh. So our biggest human need is to belong, right? So if, if someone's listening to this, ask yourself what your family financially kind of thermometer is. And so if your dad and your mom only made 150, 200, or even less, when you start to creep above that, you'll, see, you'll feel yourself kind of slow down or just happen to be a little too busy. And that's actually what you want to do is keep going and know unconsciously at the unconscious level, you're not, you cannot belong anymore or any less to your family. No matter how much money you make, you're still going to belong to your freaking family. Okay. But it's terrifying. And so, and a good example of this is someone that wins a lotto. For example, someone wins a lotto and they go, they go, you know, they're around a family because generally people that play the lottery, if they want to go make that big thing, and nothing wrong with it, but they don't make generally people made the lottery, let's say they make, you know, 70,000 a year or something or less, right? And and the thing is, is the average lotto payers are not making millions a year, okay? But they want to one day make millions. So imagine that person at the dinner table around their family that all makes fifty thousand dollars a year. And now they come in there and they're worth $30 million. Do you think that's, it's a little bit different? Like it sounds exciting, but actually they have very big different problems. They have, they have real tax. They have big tax issues. They have, they have investment issues. They have the, their biggest challenge is thinking about, you know, should they fly private or first class and their family's going, you know, did you see that the the soup that the that the bread was on sale at, at this restaurant this day? Or I can't believe I can't believe I got that parking ticket. Completely different realities. So the person that won thirty million dollars, 
while that sounds really good, actually at an unconscious level, it, it, it like feels like they don't belong. This is why they go and they go get rid of it. So, but the thing the unconscious needs to, to, to know is that it will always belong, no matter, like it cannot belong anymore, any less. That's the great thing about being a part of families is you, we cannot do anything to belong more or less. We just are a part of, the fa- of that family. Yeah. And, and it comes down to that forgiveness too. Cause I, I know there's some people that are listening right now that, you know, maybe you've lost a parent, you know, maybe they've crossed the great divide, right. And then uh, in that other space, the way that we can do this to heal this is coming into that acceptance, right. Is coming into that forgiveness around it and recreating and the narrative that we have around our relationship, because we have, we have stories around everything, right? Everything's a story and, and everything's relationship. We have a relationship with our partner, our, our parents, our brothers, sisters, our business relationship with money. We even have a relationship with ourselves. And I love that you've really opened us up to this conversation of exploring multiple relationships here and then how we can really reprogram that and set ourselves up to win so that we can have it all in life because it is possible. So I love this, man. You're such a champion, bro. I love like we've only spent a little bit of time together on this uh, episode. We're going to have to get you back in for a part two. I'd love to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's so right? much and- more around the relationship with money and, 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 and ourselves. And it's such a growth experience. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks for James for just people listening to this. Just go explore it. For sure. For sure. And Jeff uh, showed up in the addicted to success uh, tribe mastermind as well in the Academy. So you can jump in on there to learn some things from Jeff as well. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for the actionables. Uh, what have you got going on right now? How can we see more of you and, and find more of your content? I know you've got a book as well. You've got some things happening online. So where can we find Yeah, this? I've wrote a book. There's an audio. They can get it for free if they want. It's called success 2.0. Um, and so they can go get it for free. The audio go to success the number two book.com success number two book.com. And then you, and then also you can follow us, follow me on Instagram, my business partner and partner, Kate, uh, she, you can follow her Kate gray on Instagram as well. She's got some great marketing stuff. Um, and she's just a genius at that stuff. And, and so, yeah, just, just go there get the book and ask yourself these questions. Keep following people like Joel and, and learn from the, the you got, you bring such incredible guests and, and yeah, just, yeah, you got everyone listening. You're in good hands. Yeah, man. I just want my people to think. You know, we're in a world where we're so distracted and bombarded, and there's just so much happening, and we don't give ourselves space to think. So I know for sure on this episode, you've got people thinking, man, and you've got them uh, inspired to get into action. So, yes, I know you've been taking notes. If you've been listening to this, make sure that you apply what you've learned. Okay. Uh, Jeff, we end every interview with this last question and thanks a million for being a part of this. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, This last question here is if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Probably not much. Wouldn't say anything at all, actually. I'd just be grateful. What a life, huh? <laughs> I love it, man. Perfect answer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I actually wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I think I'd just be grateful. 